So have you ever wondered, uh, who are all the names behind these ribbons and roses? We have been uh, praying for months that as uh, people walk up to the cross and make their stand for Jesus, that uh, we'd be able to tell these stories. And so this morning, I want to introduce to you a couple of friends of mine who are uh, about to do that. Uh, to my left, uh, far left over here is my good friend Greg Eide. We uh, get up every Tuesday morning about 6.30 and study the word together. And uh, a couple of the guys in the study are here. Fred, I know you're up there. Ted, you're over there. Corey, I'm not sure if you're in here, but uh, we uh, get together. And uh, it's great to have you up here, Greg. And this is Ashley Pickerel. Uh, you may have seen her picture in the paper. She's a bit of a golfer here in uh, Salem. And uh, we're going to tell a fun story about Ashley and get to hear from her in just a second. But Greg, let me, let me start with you. You have an interesting role over there at West Salem High School. And uh, tell us about what you do over there. Okay. Um, a couple of years ago, I slowed down work-wise and found that I had quite a bit of time on my hands. And I noticed they needed a golf coach at West Salem, so... I thought that would be a fun way to spend some of my day. So <laughs> I um, got the job, and during the high school season, I coached Ashley and about 10 other girls. And, um, and then during the summertime, um, Ashley, for those of you that get the Statesman Journal, she is the golfer that's in there, it seems like, every day all summer long. She's <laughs> that good. And... Um, <laughs> So um, during the summertime, my, she expands my role from coach to caddy to, she says, agent, public relations manager, and I also make some pretty good peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> that I stuff into her golf bag for those matches. So a, uh, a transition in conversation started taking place over the summer and into the fall. Tell us um, what... What happened and what was the conversation that took place that kind of got bigger than golf, let's say? Um, in August, Ashley qualified to play in that LPGA Tour event up in Portland, and I believe she's only the second high schooler to ever do that. And so she was coming off of, um, we were meeting a couple times a week at the Salem Driving Range working on her golf game and that, and she would ask questions about um, life and my life, and um, I could sense that God was drawing her to himself. Mm. And so um, mm-hmm. the conversations um, kind of went that direction, and as we kind of built a trust and a friendship over the summertime, um, she started asking questions about life and that I could sense that she had a void in her life, and but I, mm. at the same time, God was drawing her to himself. Yeah. So, Ashley, here you are, and you're thinking it's about golf, and all of a sudden it turns to Jesus. What, uh, what for you, what caused there to be this openness to this discussion? Um, well, I first started asking myself questions about Jesus about a year and a half ago, and It was actually because I was coming out of a really dark time in my life. Um, I just, I felt really alone, and um, I didn't know what the purpose was in in life, why why I was here. And uh, so I kind of started getting this feeling of uh, emptiness, and um, I started trying to fill it with things, and eventually I started trying to fill it with drugs, actually. And... um, 
things got really bad, really out of hand. And uh, last August, I was actually put in a rehab facility. And that facility was actually the first time I started thinking about God and, you know, what, what it was all about. And um, while I was there, I met this counselor. Her name was Meredith. And she was a huge Christian. She is a huge Christian. And she was the light that I saw, the light on this really dark path that I was on, and uh, she was a huge part in my life and me wanting to change and um, wanting to help people, and I just saw that there was something different in her, something that I was missing, and so I was, you know, after I got out of rehab, I was like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to, you know, take that step forward, but I never got around to it when I got out, and uh, so God was just in the back of my mind, you know, always there, but I just never acted upon it. And uh, so I started going to NA meetings, and if you know anything about the 12-step program, uh, a lot of that has to do with God, too. And so there he was again in my life, you know, calling me to him, but I just, I, I was scared, and I, I didn't, I just, again, didn't act upon it. And so... When Coach Idy came into my life, it was a, a door, the, an opening, and I saw that he had this different thing, this thing that Meredith also had that I didn't have, you know, something was obviously missing from my life, and um, so as our relationship grew, especially over the summer, I got more and more comfortable, and um, that's when I started asking him questions about God. <laughs> What a great story. And so all of a sudden now you're talking about purpose in life. And uh, take it from there, Greg. What did you actually say to Ashley about Jesus? Well, the first thing we did was talk about why she, I f- felt that she was, had this void. Hmm. And the fact is that we're, like all of us, she was created to be in relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And sin had separated her from God. And until she restored that relationship there would always be that emptiness and we know we try to rationalize it if I just had a better job or if I had more money or if I had this or that that I would feel fulfilled and she was coming off the most incredible summer and spring of golf that any high school kid could ever dream of having she's a four-point student she was about two weeks away from signing a full-ride scholarship to Tennessee, playing for a top-ten program, and she still had this void. (laughs) So we talked about um, her need to restore, you know, that God was really wanting a relationship with her, and until that was developed, um, she would continue to feel that way. So I invited her to go to church with my wife, Debbie, and I, and we came here on a Saturday night, and then the next week... um, we met at Salem Driving Range, I believe, on Monday and continued talking. And then I asked her if she had a Bible, and she said she didn't. And I asked her if I could buy her one, and she said I could. So I took that opportunity to get her a Bible. And then that couple of days later on Wednesday, we met back out at the driving range. And after the um, our practice, we opened up the Bible, and I showed her some verses that um, described exactly that situation and then in the back of this bible there's a two or three page summary called god's plan to save you and it starts out right where she was at separated from god needing to restore that relationship 
needing to put her faith and trust in Jesus to do that. And so I said, this is what it's all about. You know, and so, and she goes, I want to do it. <laughs> and I, but I wanted to make sure she knew what she was doing. So I said, take this with you and find a really neat place, whether it's your bedroom or a golf course or something, and sit down and read through this. And if you decide this is the time, um, at the end of the two or three page um, material, it said, do you believe this? If you do, pray this prayer. And so I said, if you do, then find a place, sit down and read through this and decide if this is a time to give your life to Christ. And then if it is, send me a text message. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you were waiting uh, anxiously for that. So uh, Ashley, take us to the day. What happened? Uh, It was decision time. What happened? Um, Well, I, like Coach Heidi said, I read through that God's plan to save you. And uh, at the end of it, there's, you know, the ultimate question, do you believe? And uh, my answer was yes. So what I did was I um, drove to Woodburn. There's a golf course there, the OGA golf course. And uh, I've had a lot of success there, and I love it. I love that place. Grew up there. And so I drove there, and... I sat underneath a tree, um, and that's where I prayed, and I prayed for God to forgive all my sins and to just come into my life, and uh, the feeling is indescribable. It was amazing. Um, Like, I keep describing it as kind of like this sci-fi kind of thing. It was weird, but it was like (laughs) so, it was just, in that moment, I could feel my entire life change. Well, you got something to show us. Why yes. don't you uh, show us something special? <laughs> um, on that same day, uh, later, I finally, you know, accepted Christ, and here's my ribbon on the cross. <laughs> Says Ashley, right there. <laughs> Come on out here. We're going to stop and pray for Ashley and... She sort of represents all the other ribbons on this cross. We've been asking, God, we want to tell these stories and we want to be able to to help them now uh, get grounded, uh, grow in Christ. So as is our custom, just reach your hand out as a show of support for Ashley this morning. Father, thank you for this story. A coach who was ready to share and a player who was ready to respond. Uh, Father, on October 22nd of this year, Lord, uh, Ashley became a new, a new creation, your word says. And we are grateful that we get to be a part of it. And uh, Lord, we do pray right now for her and for all these other people, all these other names that are represented by these ribbons on this cross. May it be lasting fruit. May there be um, growth. And, and may there be a, 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 a root that goes way down deep. Father, and as, as Ashley prepares to go off to college uh, and, and goes to Tennessee, Father, I pray that you would bring people around her there, that she could continue to live out her faith, just like she's living it here. And, and uh, Father, that she would come to know you, the depths and the depths of her being. So I uh, thank you for the story. Thank you, God, for, for drawing people to yourself, that we might come out of darkness into light. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.
Well, that's the fourth time I've heard that story, and it just does not get old. Did you uh, catch what's going on here? I, I don't want us to miss this. Before Christ, dark-minded. The wrath of God. There's no excuse, the scriptures say. We're, we're caught in our sin. We're, we're in bondage and slavery to our sin. The scriptures say we're guilty. Condemned, the justice has been served. Eternity separated from God. Like Ashley, like many of us, surrender our lives to Jesus. We're told that the wrath of God, the word that Steve shared last week, we're told that it's called propitiation. The the wrath of God is appeased. We're told that it's no longer judgment, it's good news. And the the judgment that would be stored up for us in, in eternity, taken away, atonement, justification. It's happened in Ashley's life, and it's happened in many of our lives. Praise God. Many of us are here. Some of you even can say, I pounded my ribbon this year. That's the gospel in real time. It, it reminds me of uh, Paul's story with his protege, his mentor, Timothy. It speaks of it in 2 Timothy 2, 2, behind me. And Paul wrote this. He said, you, Timothy, you heard the message about Jesus, and you heard the, the deeper teachings and truths that, that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now... Teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. It's sort of like this. Generation one, Paul, passes it on to generation two, Timothy, who then passes it on to trustworthy people who then pass it on to others. See, that's, that's the design. That's the game plan. That's... Coach to player, Ashley, that's you to somebody else. See, Coach Heidi was the right person at the right time. It was unexpected. You weren't looking for it. You weren't asking for it. You were just there. See, the principle, I think, is this. You and I are the perfect people to talk to our friends about Jesus. See, we know their stories. We get this sense when someone is being drawn to Jesus. We get this sense when someone is is wrestling and struggling. We're often the ones that get asked the questions. So what do you say? What do you do in that moment when the golden opportunity comes to talk to someone you care about who doesn't know Jesus, what do you do when the golden opportunity comes? It's game time. It's the story of Jesus. Well, that's, that's what I want to talk about today. What do we do when it's our turn to be the one to speak? So I'm going to ask if you would, uh, again, reach out there, work off some of that turkey, grab the Bible in the rack in front of you, Uh, You'll notice, by the way, you're reaching for these brown Bibles. What happened to the blue ones? 
you're going to go to page 1833, and as, as you're doing that, uh, I want to tell you real quickly uh, why the new Bibles. You'll see on the outside, it says New Living Translation. We have chosen to uh, move to this, new, to this new Bible for a couple of reasons. First of all, we, we want you to know it's not a paraphrase. In other words, it's, it's not uh, taking broad, broad concepts and sort of contemporizing them. This is, translations are essentially this. They're either word for word or they're thought for thought. And the translators of this Bible, this is a thought for thought translation. So it'll take a concept like uh, denarius. You ever heard of the word denarius? Well, that's what people were paid with the turn of the, at, the, uh, at the beginning of when the scriptures, uh, 2,000 years ago when Jesus came. So they translated denarius to a day's wage, a day's wage. Or it will take a word like Nisan, the month of Nisan. Um, and it will say it's the month of April. So it turns it into a word that we will understand, but it stays true to the original text. So this was designed to be more readable, to be relevant, and to be true to the original languages, and so uh, we're glad to be able to read from it. So what do we do when those golden opportunities arise And from the life of Paul, there are two stories I want to look at that are great answers to that question that I think will be very equipping, very practical, very relevant to where you and I live. Before I start reading, I I want to say uh, a few personal things to you all. After 13 years here on staff at Salem Alliance, 13 years uh, of walking alongside many of you, hearing your journeys, your stories, your victories, uh, some of the defeats, hearing uh, many of your desires in terms of walking with Jesus. And I would say that, that most of us in this room, we have a sincere desire that our family and friends would know Jesus, yes? We care about what is happening in the spiritual journey of our family and friends, and and uh, I've, I've talked to many of you. You've come up here to this platform at the end of services, and you've said, would you pray for, for, my, uh, for my friend? Would you pray for my neighbor? Would you pray for my kids? Would you pray for my coworker? And, and it happens not just in the dozens, but by the hundreds. I believe that's true of us as a church and as a people. We want our friends to know Jesus. We know what's at stake. Now hear me on this one. I think it's also true that most of us are not too aggressive. We're, we're, we're too relaxed. We're, we're too reserved. We say things to ourselves like, what if I offend my friend? What if it damages the relationship? Now, no question, The cross, Scripture says, is often an offense to those who are far from God. And you know what? The the people that know us best, those are often the ones who our stories are most relevant to. And when people know we care, they're often willing to listen to what we believe. I think we're also too reserved because we say, I wouldn't know where to start. 
I wouldn't know what to say. And if a question came that I didn't know the answer to, I'd just botch it all up and, and I'd mess it all up, so I'll, I'll just stay silent. Well, our, our prayer for today, for, for messages like today and for some training sessions that we're going to have next year on, on engaging people in spiritual conversations, our prayer is that through, through seeking God and, and allowing the Spirit to work through us and through tooling ourselves up with basic tools, how to share the gospel, how to share our stories, that we would become more effective. I think we're also very reserved because we're just plain scared. I think we all have a little bit too much Kentucky Fried Chicken in us. We just get afraid, don't we? What do they think of me? You don't know, my friends. They'll, they'll laugh me right out of the room. That, that may be true. <laughs> and I understand the fear. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God, salvation, all believe. There's Ashley's in the room today. Maybe you haven't heard the message of Christ. There's Coach Idy's in here today. Maybe you've never shared it. Maybe it's about time. 1 Corinthians 15. So what do we do? When those golden opportunities come our way to talk to people about Jesus. Well, first, Paul presented the gospel in such a clear and compelling way. It was relevant for his day, and I think it's relevant for our day, and I want us to look at it. He says in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 15, he says this, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Now, see it there again? The passing on from one person to the next. It's sort of like 1963. I'll never forget where I was in my living room and I was playing with G.I. Joes and all of a sudden a knock on the door and my neighbor Ron, golfing buddy, my dad, knocks on the door. He comes in and he says, hey, Ron, Eve, my parents. I was wondering if you guys would be interested in coming to an event down at the uh, arena and uh, it's coming up in a couple of weeks. It's called a Billy Graham Crusade. My dad, I see his rolled eyes, he looked at my mom and said, I don't think so, Ron. We weren't church-going folk at the time. And A couple days later, knock on the door again, and it's the neighbor. And he kept asking, and my parents went. Little did my brother and I know, or my parents, what that season in our life would mean, because my parents got up out of their seats, went down to the field, and gave their hearts to Christ. Passing it on. One person to the next. See, you and I are the perfect people to lead our neighbors to Christ. And here's the gospel. Picking it up in the middle of verse 3. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried. He was raised. On the third day, as the scriptures said, and then he was seen by Peter and by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers. And then... As the passage goes on, he says, and I saw him too. And in verse 10, he says, but whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out his special favor on me, the grace of God, and not without results. And he goes on to describe essentially this, that those who surrender to Jesus will be saved. I love that. The gospel in five simple 
points. So a little while back, I, uh, I had some little business cards made up. I don't know if you can see it from there. Can you? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what's on it. The top, it says, the gospel story. And in five short bullet points, it says exactly what you see on the screen. Jesus died, he was buried, he was raised, he appeared to more than 500, and those who surrendered Jesus will be saved. I keep one of these in my wallet, and uh, from time to time, have opportunity to whip it out and present the gospel. Sort of like a couple of weeks ago. There's a guy who came to the cross after a service. He said, I want to talk to someone about my life. He wasn't ready to pound a ribbon. He just wanted to know more about Jesus. So I said, why don't you meet me at Broadway tomorrow? So we met over there, looked up my wallet, and I said, can I just, in very simple terms, tell you the life and message of Jesus? Can I tell you what he did for you? See, he died for our sins. He died for our sins because somebody had to pay. You can't, I can't. The blood of Christ, the scriptures say, sufficient to pay for your sins. I went to the next point. And he was buried. He was put in a tomb. And he took all the sin of the world into that tomb with him. And when they sealed it up, it was as if God was saying to the universe, any who believe on Jesus, your sins have been paid. But that's not the end. Three days later, bullet three, it says he was raised from the dead. Sort of like people that we see coming up out of the water when they're baptized. You ever been here at a baptism service? It's glorious. And all of a sudden, you see these people come up. Because Jesus was raised, we are raised. So the symbol coming up out of the water is that death has been conquered. We no longer have to pay for our own sin. Our sin has been atoned. We've been justified, no longer guilty, no longer condemned. Point four. But is this as if... Some of us would need more proof, says Jesus. Yeah, he, he appeared not just to a, a few people, not just to 100 people, but 500 people. And then he appeared to me. You know, in a court of law today, an eyewitness testimony, it'll put someone to death or it'll, it'll, appear, it'll acquit someone. And, and Jesus says, the word Paul says about Jesus, look, proof positive. He rose. And then bullet five, Paul says, and, and his grace or his special favor, hey, it, it's working in me. Those who are surrendered to Jesus will be saved. Well, there's another story I want to show you that uh, is really, really significant in Paul's life back in Acts 26. Turn back a few pages to Acts 26. You go back to Romans and then you go to Acts and we get to this story of Paul telling his story to the king of the Judean area, King Agrippa. See, he was on trial. He was preaching the gospel, and the, and the religious leaders of his day said, we've had enough. And he now gets to stand and defend himself. And in verse 4, he says, as you leaders know well. I was given a thorough Jewish training from my earliest childhood and among my own people and in, in, in Jerusalem. And he goes on to describe his earlier lives, his earlier life, and it's essentially my life before Jesus. He even says, I was in opposition to the cross. I went after 
Christians, zealously even persecuted them and cheered on people that stoned them. And then all of a sudden, verse 12, a change. And he says, my accusers in the temple not stirring up a riot in any synagogue. Excuse me, Acts 26, verse 12. And one day I was on such a mission to Damascus armed with the authority and commission of the leading priests. And about noon, as I was on the road, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, it fell down on me and my companions, and I heard a voice. And later in the passage, we come to see that it was Jesus. It was essentially how he met Christ. And then his story goes on in verse 19, and he says, So, King Agrippa, I obeyed the vision from heaven. I preached first in Damascus and in Jerusalem. And then he goes on to describe the changes that took place. Verse 21, some Jews arrested me because of this preaching. Verse 22, but God has protected me so I can testify to everyone about the prophets, what was spoken through the prophets and through Moses about Christ. And it's as if he were saying, this is how my life has been changed since knowing Surrendering, committing myself to Christ. So I took my little card a while back, and on the other side, I wrote my story. And on it, I wrote my life before I met Jesus, how I became a follower of Jesus, and how my life life has changed after committing myself to Jesus. And I've had an opportunity to share that story, my unique version of coming to Jesus, I've I've had an opportunity to share that with many, many, many people. The story of Paul has sort of set a template, sort of a pattern to be able to say to folks, you know what? This gospel story has now become relevant to me. And here's how. We have a, uh, an office area where my office is and several others here in the church. It's called the uh, Outreach Department. And uh, in our ministry assistant, her name is Kelly, she has a little basket, and in, in that basket are a bunch of these ribbons. And the uh, sort of the, the distinguishing mark about these ribbons is they're empty. There's nothing on them. And uh, every week, we come over to the cross and look at the basket. It's ribbons, nails. And it's our hope that we get to fill it back up. Because the ribbons have been used. They've been used to nail names like Ashley. Last night at 6.30, Travis. Last week, Caleb. Don. Andrea. Some of you. Who's the next Ashley? You and I are the perfect people to lead our family and friends to Jesus. We have stories. We have the gospel story. Are you ready to share it? Are you ready to present it?